Hello, I'm America. I'm James. This is City Wave Cinema, and that's probably the smoothest intro we've ever done. Honestly, it was really easy. Um, we watched The Gentleman. Oh God, was it good? It was decent, for man, sure. Man, was it good. Um, we left off, and I do apologize because James and I were talking about it on break while we were recording. Between part one and part two. And the plot for this movie is really complicated. It's very all around. It's convoluted and it jumps around a lot. And I'm trying to do my best of like telling you what's happening. But it's muddy and I'm sorry for that. It happens. Um, but right now we're talking about why Fletcher is where he is. And how he got involved in this whole mess. He got hired by the editor, editor in chief of a fucking rag, um, to basically bring help bring down Mickey, get any dirt, anything he could get on Mickey, how he runs his business, how it operates, basically like pull all the fucking skeletons out of the closet for Mickey. So basically, he can't have a business anymore, because once it goes public, no one's going to want to buy from him anymore. Um, So he's basically been doing private investigator shit to help get dirt on Mickey for this guy. Yeah. Um, So that's what Fletcher is doing, and that's what how he ended up talking to Raymond, and he starts showing Raymond... The pieces of evidence he's gathered, like the a picture of a body outside of an apartment building. And what we're going to get is the reason that Fletcher has a picture of a body outside of an apartment building in this next scene. Um... But, like... As much as, like, Fletcher's been doing private investigating and all this stuff, he also has, like, extensive knowledge of a bunch of information that he shouldn't feasibly have. Oh, yeah, he knows so many things. Kind of upsetting. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense how he knows all of the things. He has... All this information and the inner workings of everything. And he wasn't at the bunker. So, like, he, like, I don't know. This is why having an unreliable narrator is annoying sometimes. Because, like, is he making it all up? Is he bluffing? We don't know. Um. They are basically sent by one of Mickey's bunker housers so someone who owns an estate where a lord a lord who owns an estate where mickey does his business to retrieve his daughter who's a crack addict the, um, the lord's daughter is a crack. the addict. lord's daughter is a crack addict they are sent to go basically retrieve her sorry a heroin addict she's not addicted to crack she's addicted to heroin she's addicted to hard drugs hard drugs um they are sent to go retrieve her like, he asks it as a favor of Mickey, and Mickey says yes, because you keep the lords where your bunker houses are at happy, and they don't come after you. Yes. 
Um, and they just kind of look the other way as you do all these illegal misdealings. So they go and track down where the daughter is who's run away with her heroin-dealing, addicted boyfriend. Um, they roll up on this place. Mickey sends Raymond, because Raymond's his most trusted individual. I believe it's Raymond, Bunny, and Dave. He sends Raymond and Raymond's choice of, like, people. Yeah. Um, so he sends Raymond to go retrieve the daughter. They track her down. They roll up on this place. There's just a bunch of young people. Like, young adult punk kids in there. They're just in this cheap-ass apartment doing drugs. It is absolutely a shithole. Yeah, just somewhere you'd go to do illicit activities. Um, So we enter this apartment, and the first thing they do as they walk into this apartment is... uh, Talk a lot of shit. Yes. They talk a tremendous amount of shit. Everyone in this apartment talks a lot of shit. The young kids slash adults talk a lot of shit. Uh, Mitchy, Mitchy, Mickey's men talk a lot of shit. Um, but they walk in there, and the first thing they do is they turn off this radio, and it was, I was so happy that we turned off this radio because that music was awful. I don't know what was playing on there at the time. It was just bad. So it just, uh, it was just noise. So much noise that was happening. And sorry, I lost my place in my notes. My bad. Please hold. Um, they basically are like, we're taking the girl. And they're like, no, you're not. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we are. And they do. They, they, I mean, they don't force the girl. The girl's like, yeah, I'll fucking go. And then the young adults attack the larger adults. Idiots. Like, I don't know what got in their head that they could win that fight. They were on drugs, clearly. But they said, yeah, no, these fucking big-ass dudes, we can win this fight. 100%. No. No, they could not. Alright, we're gonna let that sit in the ice for a minute and see if it makes it any better. I don't think it will. Alright, we're trying dr- uh, drugs. We're not trying drugs. We Drugs! We're trying, I mean, technically, we're trying this new drink that we infused live on stream. Um, so, in this little tussle with these young adult kids in the process of getting this girl out, one of the goons of Mickey... Shoves a kid, and on full accident, the kid just, like, stumbles and falls over the balcony. He did get shoved, but he did not get pushed off the balcony. Um, but making stupid mistakes like that is how everything unravels. It all comes down. It's how you start losing shit when you're in this kind of business. You don't make stupid mistakes. Can't be making those kind of mistakes, my friend. And... In this, like, low-income area where this apartment is, there's some kids down there on the street harassing the driver of the car who's just there literally guarding the car and waiting for everybody to finish the business upstairs. They see the body fall down to the street and are trying to take... Selfies. Selfies with it? I don't know about y'all. 
I don't know much about you. <laughs> um, but if you're the kind of person that sees somebody fall a couple stories and splat on the ground and your gut instinct is to go take a selfie with it, please go seek help. Go, go talk to somebody, anybody, really. Um, that's not a healthy reaction to have. <laughs> let alone it be your first reaction. So, yeah. Mickey's men see that there are pictures being taken, and now it's a game of chase the hoodlums and get the phone from each one of them so that they can get rid of the evidence of any of this happening. Which is good. You don't want to leave evidence behind. We've already made one mistake. Let's not make more. But what I love about this chase sequence that we're about to get from all these guys chasing these kids down with their phones is my man Raymond out there running in a full fucking suit is after going. these kids. Like, he's not in, like, Secret Service gear, which is probably easy to move around in. He's not in, like, bodyguard gear. No, he's in a very nice suit. The vest, tie, whole nine yards. Just out here running, chasing this kid down. Um, He finally catches up to the kid, and the kid has got, like, ran to some friends that are hiding in an alley. And the man's like, hey, I'm not going to fight you for the phone. I just want to offer you some honest money. Now, I don't know if you know this yet, but Raymond works for Mitchie. Mickey. Mickey, I'll get you, there. You will never learn the names of these characters. You simply won't. I've got Raymond down pretty good. Yeah, because you've been talking about Raymond for an hour and change. Well, Raymond works for Mickey. And his paycheck comes from Mickey. So calling drug money honest money, it's not the same thing. He's like, here, I've got money. Honest money for you. And I'm like... <laughs> I don't think you can call drug money honest money. You can tell you can call real money. You can say it's real money. That would have been fine. It's not honest money. Um And then for the second time in this movie, someone just whips out a machete. Yeah. How many people just own machetes? Well, bear this in mind. It's illegal to own guns in the United Kingdom. So everyone just has machetes instead? Yeah. Alright, well. If you're going to do... Okay, in America, if you're going to do a crime, you can go and buy a gun and do a crime. Yeah. And then you'll get caught because you bought a gun and it has a serial number that's associated with your name now. Mm-hmm. Right? It, in the UK, if you're going to do a crime, you can't do it with a gun because you can't... You have to get one illegally, so I guess you could do a crime with a gun. But if you're going to be a two-bit criminal and you don't feel like attaching yourself to a firearm... You go and you get a bladed weapon or a bat or something. That's fair. Like, it, it, it wouldn't make sense for a two-bit bridge troll like that guy to whip out a fucking 9mm. That, that would be out of style for England. But a machete? Why not? Fair enough. All it's right. long, it's bladed, it's not a whole sword. That works. 
Um, we get the next kit. So he uh, he says no, and then Raymond just whips out this automatic. Uh, Heckler and Koch MP5 K submachine gun. And just start shooting into the air. Everybody scatters and the kid's like He fires ten rounds in the air. Just frozen and Raymond goes, put the phone on the ground. He does so. Just down. And takes off, which is the smart move in this that situation. Is the correct maneuver. Um then we catch one of the other kids. There's one last kid who's riding around on a bike being chased, and the only reason I want to talk about this kid in particular is because uh, the takedown of this child is so particular, like so brilliant. Like they're following him in the car, and the dude's chasing him, and he ducks into this little alley. He's riding along, and he pulls out onto a street. And he's riding along, and unbeknownst to him, they went around the same street corner a little bit ago, parked, and they just pop open that door and hit him straight in the face as he's looking back behind him riding his bike. Great. 10 out of 10. Loved it. Um, Gosh, what a... I just love it so much. (laughs) It's so good, dude. So then... I started thinking about Mickey and Raymond and how I wish that I had any ounce of power or any ounce of money like, that would give me power, because just, like... And then I started getting really upset thinking about it, because I was like, how much simpler would my life be if I could just make all my problems disappear with the right number? Like, that just sounds like such a way to live. And I will probably never get to experience such things in my life, But man, would it be fun for a little bit. I know they say money is, like, not the key to wealth, and it won't buy you happiness. But I think it could help. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we get a little bit more. Again, this movie jumps around a bunch, so now we're jumping back to the man from the diner. Remember him? You probably don't, but that's okay. There was a man in a diner and whipped some kids into shape. We Colin Farrell. Yes. We find out that he basically runs like this. He is a coach. That's why the kids are calling him coach. And he basically trains like all these street hoodlums to be like. Disaffected youths. Super proper fighters and like gets them back on track and makes them like. Makes them basically honest men. Gives him an outlet, yeah. more or less. Um, and he just like, he just has this moment where he's like, he's literally like a dad to all these kids. He's like reprimanding them and whipping them to shape, but he still cares about all of them and the fact that, like, they're in danger now because they pissed off Mickey. So he goes to cut a deal with Raymond. He's like. I'll owe you a few favors. I'll pay. I'll work for you until their debt is paid. Just leave my kids out of this. And he has all the stuff they stole. And he's like, I'll give all this back to you. And on top of that, I'll work for you. 
and until the debt's repaid. Yep. Like, what a fucking guy. It's a huge stand-up thing, to, pr- and he's protecting his kids. He's like, just leave them alone. Leave my boys out of it. Um. And, yeah. I wrote that there was a drastic tone shift, but I don't know what it was Well, okay. For. Some context. The, the first thing that Raymond wants from Coach is uh, the information as to how the toddlers got the location of the farm. And so Coach has already known that he was going to ask for that. He already knew because Coach is a smart guy, right? So Coach already went to the trouble of finding out who gave his boys the location of this farm. And then he just went ahead and bagged and tagged this guy. Before he ever even came to this meeting. So they go out back behind the pub where Coach's car is parked, pop the trunk, and there's a dude in there with his legs and hands, feet and tied together, and duct tape over his mouth, and that's the guy who gave up the info. So they go to interrogate his ass, and he doesn't really spill any beans at all, makes a break for it, jumps over a fence, lands on some train tracks, and is immediately run over by the train. Killed, blood, everywhere it's a fucking gruesome moment and it happens super fucking fast that might be the tone shift you're talking about maybe but that's what happens immediately after coach cuts the deal um i made another note about the acting being superb in the scene and especially Charlie Hummel, and I need to issue a formal apology where everyone can hear it, because once upon a time, in a way back when, Charlie Hummel was slated to play Christian... Hunnam. Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam was slated to play Christian Grey in Fifty Shades of Grey. And me, and the collective fan base of the Fifty Shades of Grey fandom, excluding some here or there, decided that was an awful thing that was about to happen, and we would not stand for it. And we bitched and moaned and complained so much that Charlie said, I don't want to fucking be in your movie anyways. You can all go fuck yourselves. (laughs) And turned down the role and it got offered to Jamie Dornan, who did a fabulous job. But I need to issue a formal apology because I don't think having Charlie Hunnam in that movie in Fifty Shades of Grey would be as bad as I thought it was going to be. Did you know that Charlie Hunnam is actually from England? Yes. I didn't. But he also does such a convincing American accent and Sons of Anarchy that's, I don't know, it's hard for me to tell. So, I apologize, Charlie Hunnam. You would have made a decent Christian Grey. (laughs) Jamie Dornan did a fine job as well, but I just needed to issue a formal apology. Sometimes I'm wrong. Um... But the issue now with this body crashing onto the train tracks is now we're getting more bodies. We're getting sloppy. It's not good. You got to keep it clean when you're running a drug green. Got to keep it clean. But they find out enough information to figure out that Dry Eye is the one who basically orchestrated the... Robert, the robbery of Mitchie's, nope, Mickey's grow house. So they go to Dry Eye's boss. 
And Lord George. Lord George. And they interrogate him. And he's like, the key about me is I don't participate. I only facilitate in all these vices that you speak of. And I was like, you know what, Lord George, you're right. That's like the way to do it. You, you never want to dabble in the product you're selling. You don't want to, it gets muddy, it gets dirty, it's not good. Um, and then both him and Mickey refer to tea as a vice. And me and James hadn't had a conversation about what constitutes as like a drug, kind of like we did on podcast two with sugar. <laughs> um, tea is not a vice. Tea doesn't... It, it, no, it, if it is, it's a very slow to take over your life vice. It's, it's not going to do anything really bad to you. Tea is like super fucking healthy and really good for you. That's not a vice. Vices are bad. I mean, vices are good, but they're normally not things that are good for you. That's why they're vices. Um, so I don't really think we can consider tea a vice. Um... I made a note here that says bystanders are complicit, <laughs> but I don't really know why. You're starting to make notes like I do, where I don't actually attribute context to the note. Well, they are there. It's basically Mickey and Lord George talking about how, um, how this could have happened. How Mickey was attacked. How. Who did it? Why? Blah blah blah. And I mean unbeknownst to Lord George, they definitely know who did it. And they tell them that it was dry eye. Like, we figured it out. But I cannot figure out what I'm saying when bystanders are complicit. I thought if I talked a little bit more about the scene, it would come to me. But throughout the scene, they compare, like, heroin usage and... Oh, I remember what it was. So was it? as we're having the scene, we're also seeing several things happen simultaneously. We're seeing um, the daughter that we rescued, O.D. We're seeing um, this conversation that we're having right here. We're also um, jumping around to another scene. So there's like three things happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And I know James is not talking very much. Um... So, these three things are happening simultaneously, and the point that Mickey makes is that his drug doesn't kill people. Marijuana, baby. You can have, you can OD on marijuana, and guess what? You don't die. You're gonna... You have a bad time. You're gonna be in for a rough few hours, but you don't die. You wanna know what happens if you OD on alcohol? You die. die. You wanna know what happens if you OD on heroin? You, you die. die. So that's what I meant when I said bystanders are complicit. Is It's like, just because you're not participating in the actual doing of the drug, you are still aware and involved in all these people's lives when you deal them a drug. You're still a bystander, and bystanders are complicit no matter how you shake it out. Bullying, anything. If you see something, say something. Like... If not, you're just as responsible for everything that happens. Um, 
And then through that conversation, when they were talking about that, I also wrote that marijuana is the best drug. I said what I said. It is for a lot of reasons. It's natural. It's healthy. It's what it's for. Um, and then we get this odd scene. Mm. And it was very jarring because, first of all, we find out that Mickey has drugged Lord George. Yeah. And nothing like a little bit of projectile vomit in the middle of your gangster movie, which I hate. And I love. I'm not a throw up person. In fact, I despise seeing it, hearing it, smelling it, anything to do with it. So I hated that. But like the reason this was a hard scene for me to watch other than that was because it was like. I was the whole time going like, oh, is this another unreliable narrator moment? Is this something that was like fabricated to make the story better? Is this actually what happened? So like I was just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop to be like, oh, no, this is this is another story or something. Um, And it never did. But that's, again, why having an unreliable narrator is kind of frustrating, because when they've been proven to be unreliable, then you're everything they say could be fabricated so it was just kind of hard that it undermined the scene for me i have an interesting problem with your use of the phrase unreliable narrator carry on what's your problem he's not being an unreliable narrator he is spinning a story no i mentioned that in the last one because the the full circle of it is that he's pitching a movie pitching this movie to ray yeah So it's not so much as he's being an unreliable narrator. He's being truthful about everything that he's brought up, except for the brief murder interlude where Michael kills Which uh, it, Dry Eye, but doesn't actually kill Dry I gave Eye. all of that cadence in the last episode. I said that he's a storyteller and that should be taken into regard and like all this stuff. Yeah, but that doesn't make him unreliable. But what... It's not he's an unreliable narrator in the story, but he's an unreliable narrator to the audience because he's proven himself. Because we watched that scene happen and it was not given context that it was him bounce like buffing up the story until it already happened, that makes us think that there are other scenes that could also have that context because that's the seed you've planted in our brain as a viewer. Is that any the- of these scenes can possibly be fabricated or e uh like it's the same thing as in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where Gene Wilder comes out and he's hobbling on his cane and then he does a somersault and he's capable of walking just fine. It's the exact same thing where you're, which you're supposed a... to not know what's going on, but I feel like you're attacking it in a negative sense here and I don't think it deserves that. I think, I, I mean, I have the same issues with Willy Wonka, but like, and it's a story element for sure. But what it does to your audience is the same thing. Like, you start to not be able to trust him. And you're not supposed to trust Willy Wonka. He's a fucking psychopath. True. So when you create these moments where, as the viewer, you're throwing the narrator into this storyteller or unreliableness, whatever you want to call it, you're causing into, you're bringing into question everything that they tell you. Whether good or not, story device or not, you still are doing that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It just makes things difficult for your viewers as you go forward because they're 
questioning every single thing that happens. There were several times when I wrote, is this real or is this him buffing up the story again or adding drama where there doesn't need to be? I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. And that's totally fine. I'm just saying that for a lot of people, like I hear it mentioned a lot in my theory videos that having an unreliable narrator causes issues to your story. Because then if what we're doing as the audience is being told the story by the narrator, which is what's happening, then we as the audience have to call into question everything the narrator is telling us. Even if they're just doing it for a movie pitch, even if they're doing it because they're Willy Wonka and they're off their fucking rocker, like no matter what the reason is, you're still causing that questioning momentum in your audience, which is not something that I as a director would like to do. It's definitely a device that's used, but it just it's something to be aware of that when you do that, then the narrator is no longer reliable. So then you have to question everything the narrator is telling you. It's no different than if someone lies to you in real life, you then have to be wary of everything that person tells you from that moment on. That's all I'm saying. Um, everything that happens while Mickey and Lord George are interacting and with the three things happening simultaneously that we're giving clips of while they're talking and like voiceovering it it's a really powerful scene it's really good it's disgusting because well and laura ods and there's one other thing that happens but i can't remember what it is there's three things happening at the same time but um it's a really powerful scene i really like it it's really good um I had another note that they should, because then what happens is Lord George goes to interrogate Dry Eye, who straight up, straight up fucking challenges his boss. And Madman Dry Eye did what I said Lord George should have done to Dry Eye, which was kill him. And all I can say is I'm thinking about this and thinking about all the people that should have been killed or should have been eliminated right away before they became more of a problem. I might not be a good drug dealer, but I would make an excellent mob boss. I'd be an excellent mob boss. Wait, we don't know that Dry Eye killed Lord George yet. No, but I do later. Yeah, you do later. Ow. And you're the one that mentioned it. Not me. Yes. But... I just am saying that we should just start killing more people before they become more problems. If you're going to be a mob boss, do the whole fucking nine yards, do the thing. So, that's all I'm saying is I'd be an excellent mob boss. Um, we then get this very hilarious scene to kind of break up a lot of the violence that has been happening of Fletcher and Raymond doing bad lip reading. <laughs> What of this recording that Fletcher has had, had someone lip read, translated, and then written out in a scene to be performed by him and Raymond, which is so funny. It's such a dicky thing to do when you're trying to, like, slow burn this exposition. It's to, like, convince the guy that you're talking to to do the scene with you. Like, dude, just fucking, t especially when you know this guy kills people, like, just... 
Tell him the fucking information, man. Like, come on. But the acting in this scene is so good. It's tremendous. It's so good. From this little bad lip reading moment, we uh find out that Dry Eye and Matthew were at least at one point working together. That's a problem. Yes. Because that's how... All the bad guys are in league. That's how everything happened. It's how they figured out where the grow house was. It's how he got robbed. It's basically what kicked this whole thing off was... It's the linchpin. Matthew told Dry Eye where the thing was. Dry Eye hired the people. So on and so forth. Where to where the movie is. Um, and that's where we get caught up basically to the end of the hangover moment. We're caught up to the scene that we started with in the beginning after this bad lip reading moment because we're now to the point where the gunshot in the bar is going to happen, the attack um, that Mickey heard over the phone from his wife, at the beginning is about to, is happening um so we're done with the hangover catch-up of this movie what's happening now is that what happens now is straight story yes so we're just moving forward from where this movie started finally um dry eye is at mickey's wife's Chop shop, basically. It's a it's an exotic car garage. She does business dealings from there. She has a fucking. It's a mechanic fleet. shop. She's a fleet of female mechanics who are all bad motherfuckers. It's a really cool business, but um, also not super legal. Um, we don't know that. She just bought stolen car parts. As far as she knows, it's legit. She. Definitely said lines that told that it was not. Well, she said, I don't know how you managed to fit all this on a 22-foot container. And then he went, don't worry about it. Consider it a gift. Yeah. So her hands are clean in this. Eh, her hands are not clean, but... Whatever, man. Well, no, because, like, even if she didn't know, you still are running a house where the stolen car parts are so if the cops come down on you even if you're like i had no idea wait a minute who said they were stolen first off sorry not stolen the illegally obtained car parts illegally imported they may have been legally obtained it's not clear it's such a minute part of the plot i don't know why we're arguing about it because it's not even what i was talking about i'll be over here you're getting nitpicky on my words here with my unreliable narrator and my chop shop. You seem kind of like an unreliable narrator. You, you are the one. <laughs> you are the one who is unreliable. Anyways, Dry Eye is at Mickey's wife's place of business. There, are you happy? Her office. They're there. Yeah. Well done. To basically kidnap her. Yeah. She says no and grabs the paperweight slash gun. That's a gun. Um, 
unbeknownst to them, because it's also a gun that's like it's just, it's just this a big. Guy. It's not very. It's it's probably the size of my hand, and I have very small hands. It's it's not a big guy. It's a twenty-two for so, sure. So they don't know that she has grabbed this and is loading it because it's in a box and it's tiny. Um, and at the same time, we find out that the blood and the gunshot in the bar was from Raymond shooting the guy that was about to shoot Mickey. Yes. Who was also sent by Dry Eye slash the Russians. Because what we find out is that the guy that they pushed out the window. Aslan. Is the son of this very important. Russian oligarch. Yes. Who is now mad at Mickey for killing his son. I mean, justified, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mickey didn't do it, but it was on his orders. Yeah, kind no, of. It, it's justified. The, the The Russians are justified in their anger right now. In that moment. So they're working together with Dry Eye to basically take down Mickey, which is justified. I Are they working together? I don't think they are. I thought that's what Fletcher said. I think... No, no, no. Okay. Jumping to the end of the movie real quick. The Russians aren't associated with anyone except Fletcher. All the information they get about anything comes from Fletcher. Because he admits that he goes to the Russians and tells them everything about the operation and all that. Dry Eye only works for himself and briefly Matthew. Because Matthew wants Dry Eye to be his right-hand man. Dry Eye wants to run the whole show. Uh, so they butt heads. And the Russians aren't involved in anything because, yeah, yeah, the Russians are a whole separate entity. No, they yeah. are. No, they-, they are not. They're working together. It's it, talked how? about no, exclusively. It it's not. In what way are they working together? I'm about two seconds from Rage quitting this podcast. I just, I, I'm, I don't understand where the plot has either escaped me entirely or it blew past you entirely. Like, I'm, I don't know where it happened. When Fletcher's explaining it as it's being orchestrated, he's talking about, and they're trying to get to Dry Eye because they might not be working together in the sense of, like, this is all planned, but they have the same common enemy and are aware of that and are using it to each other's advantage. So the... They're both trying to get to Mickey. I. Yes, but they don't talk to each other. Not exclusively, but they are involved with each other. No. Yes. No. <sighs> I wish I had the script. Of the whole movie, so I could read it. I wish we could watch the clip that I'm literally hearing back in my head right now so that I could just show you. You want to pause the recording again? We can watch it? No, I want to finish fucking podcast. <laughs> I have like five notes left that I haven't been able to get through because you just keep nitpicking every fucking word I'm saying. Ah! Be more correct, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to die tonight. I'm about two seconds away I'm, from rage quitting on a podcast. I'm, I'm going to be murdered. 
I haven't rage quit on this stream since Cuphead. I haven't rage quit a City Waves Entertainment thing since Cuphead, and I'm about two seconds away from just flipping the desk and walking finish, out. Finish your notes. I will not say anything. That's not the point! <laughs> okay. They... Mickey is now, because he was on the phone with his wife, they were planning date night. They are rushing to, Mickey and Raymond are now trying to rush to um, the wife's place of business. Mm -hmm. And Mickey's in such a rush, he's not paying attention. He gets hit by a truck. Um, meanwhile, back at the office, his wife is doing the damn thing for herself is basically like, I'm not going with you. If you make another fucking move, I'm going to shoot this dude right in between his eyes. They make a move. She shoots the dude right in between his eyes. Then. No, you're right. She fucking does it. She fucking plugs that guy. Then, um, they make another move. She shoots the other guy. Goon in the head, same right, thing, right, right between, between the eyes. eyes. But as she stated when they were, like, talking, the gun only has two bullets. So, Dry Eye is now aware of this, which, you know, honestly, if we were going to kill people, I would have taken out Dry Eye first. Again. Yeah, probably. I, uh, I would do things differently than a lot of people in this movie. <laughs> but maybe that's a good thing that I'm not a crime, like, I'm not a mob boss. So, there's that. So... Um, she shoots the other guy, but then Dry Eye basically wrestles her to the ground and starts to attempt to essay her. And nothing like a good bit of assault in your movies. Um, which is unnecessary. Um, like I just I feel like the movie didn't need that, but I really hate scenes like that that aren't like. If they're very explicit and, like, important to telling the story, like, fine. Like, if you're telling a story of, like, a serial killer who did that, or it serves some sort of purpose, but this really didn't. It just felt unnecessary. Um, and, I don't disagree. And it's it's just, like, those scenes are hard to watch, and it's very triggering for a lot of people. So if it's not serving some bigger purpose, I feel like we don't need to push rape culture further than it's already been promoted in media and film, but that's just me personally. If it helps, it comes to a very swift end. And then we find out what we kind of have been floating around as James and I fight each other on whether the narrator is unreliable slash reliable slash whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, is that this has been a movie pitch the entire storyline. Like, this whole time he's been in an office pitching a movie. Um... Sorry, I skipped something. Don't look at my notes. Because I skipped that uh, Mickey comes in and saves his wife and shoots Dry Eye dead. There you go. Now I'm caught up. And then... <laughs> what about the other half of the end of the story? Like what? How he deals with Matthew. Do you not remember? No, I do. But I'm... Because that takes place immediately after this. Well, like maybe like the next day or something. And it's like the, the, the full wraparound conclusion, which is why I 
argue that the Russians aren't affiliated with the other antagonists in the movie. No, you're right. I'm confusing my one of my unreliable narrator moments for, for different another unreliable, unreliable narrator <laughs> moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna take all my words back really quickly. Um, uh, I we don't... got lost in the notes. Been there. Yeah. Been there strongly. So, <laughs> Mickey saves his wife. Hooray! Woo! That's where we're at. Does a lot of a lot of violence. Um, Coach comes through because Coach has been helping them this whole time, and eliminates the Russians that were about to roll up on Raymond. Mm. Um, which allows Fletcher to get away before Raymond can fully like get rid of Flet- the Fletcher problem because Fletcher has all this information now. And I think my biggest issue is, like, I was so busy watching all the um, things happening because it goes really fast towards the end that I didn't take many notes, which is probably why they're short and concise. Mm. Um, So Coach dispatches the Russians. Fletcher gets away. And then, yes, here it is. Uh, I found the notes about Matthew and involves too much math. So is my note that involves Matthew. But before that, we have to take care of the person that sent Fletcher. Ah, yes. And that is... Big Dave. Who is the um, The editor-in-chief of the Sleaze newspaper. And they... Toddlers. The toddlers kidnap him. And then things happen. And all I can say... (laughs) All I can say is I saw that episode of Black Mirror. Episode one, baby. And it was a time. That was not nice. And that's all I got to say about that scene. I didn't watch any more Black Mirror after that episode. It's a lot. It's the first episode. (laughs) That show starts, punches you in the mouth, and then waits for you to get up. I just didn't get up. I just crawled away. I was done. I didn't want it anymore. So funny, because the second episode is... So lame compared to that one. That one hits so hard, and the second one's like, cool. <laughs> um, so then yes, we have to get Matthew because Matthew's where this whole big problem started. Is he wanted to take down Mickey's business, so we have to get rid of Matthew. And Matthew is there, and they're like. Mickey's like, well, we agreed on a price. And Matthew's like, ah, but things are different now. Let me run you some numbers. And then proceeds to talk so much math at me. That's probably why I blocked it out. I was like, literally, he started talking about so much math and so many numbers and how this had gone down because of this reason and this percentage and this number. And my brain just went, boop, off. Because <laughs> it, it's too much math. You're, I don't need to actually know all the logistical numbers for every single thing in the movie. It was just a lot of math being spoken at me in this highly action-packed sequence that has been going on. So it really just, like, ground everything to a halt. Um, But I did say kill him for the math. (laughs) I mean, kill him for all the other reasons he's fucked you over, but kill him for the math because now he's fucked me over. (laughs) Um... But then I also, like, made a note which circled back to the very beginning um, when I said that you can, once you're in the game, can't ever really get out of the game. 
And that's what we see with Mickey at the end of this movie is that he can't really get out because now he's still in charge of the business. And he has, like, I feel like even more work to do than he did before. <laughs> um, he basically tells um, Matthew that he needs to, he knows everything that happened. He shows him Dry's body in this freezer and he will no longer be selling him the business, but Matthew's still going to pay him money, and until he pays him the money... $270 million, by the way. He's going to be... There were so many numbers, I couldn't tell you what it was. He's going to be locked in the freezer till the money goes through and until he cuts off a pound of his own flesh. See, Mr. McConaughey got mad because Dry Eye tried to fuck his wife. Yeah. Actually, I think... That it it doesn't serve an immediate purpose for that, but it serves the purpose of giving. Um, um, it serves the purpose of giving. I think Mickey the emotion explosion at the end. I think them attacking her in general was enough to do that. I oh don't yeah, think I think you could have done if you if you wanted to do a little bit more of like an action sequence there and have him just like beat the shit out of her for. I don't a even think that more? needs to happen. Just the tussle they were in and like pinning her down and then still getting shot in the head without like the immediately like leg spreading, like reaching for his crotch nonsense. You can still have that whole scene play out the exact same way. And Mickey still gets mad because you attacked his wife and you don't need the sexual assault. You just don't. I, yeah, I don't think the sexual assault bit was necessary at all, really. But I think... I think to match the ferocity with which McConaughey rolls that last scene... Like, you... I would... If I were directing it, and I was like, I don't want to do the sex assault scene. Let's choreograph another, like, 10 15 seconds of fight where sh maybe she like catches him with an elbow or something and he like gets really mad and starts like stops trying to like rough her up a little bit and like maybe tries to kill her or something heck having that part where he's grabbing her by the hair would be enough for me to shoot him like that sequence you could have ended it right there too you'd have to frame it differently because they yeah, were like it would, right it would by have the to door be differently shot for sure but you could even even seeing that like oh 100% Mickey has all he needs to yeah cuz that, that that fucking the picture there the power dynamic of just dry, like, dry eye being stood tall her having been thrown of, over the desk and on the ground and it's being like, lifted up by hair dude yeah i mean that would have been good too yeah, you just have it so, like, she's facing the window over here in her office and, like, dry eyes over here so his back's to the door. That's all you need. You don't need it. Yeah, but the, it. the high babe line is so good. Yeah, it's good because she sees him first. Yeah. Oh, and, it's so good. But, like I said, there's many ways where you could Yeah, I think it's that. probably the worst scene in the movie, but it happens so fast that it's, like, there and then it's gone. Um... Then the Russians. Then I just made a bunch of notes that was like, Coach is great, Raymond is great, because they basically are like doing the damn thing. Yeah. Um, it's the Grease guys, man. They do the shit. And Raymond tries to warn 
Mickey that the Russians are coming for him. Did not to get in the car, but Mickey sees it when he's already in the car. But the youths knew this somehow. I'm still real. That one, I'll give you. If you can explain how those kids knew to drive that van in front of that car, I will let you have that one because that one I couldn't figure out. Go for it. The toddlers didn't know the Russians were there. The toddlers specifically make a call to Coach to tell him that they're going to deal with the Mickey problem. Right? Mm-hmm. The Mickey problem to those characters is that now Coach and them have to do dirty work for this drug lord because they fucking took a job and raided his farm, right? Yeah. So the only antagonist they know is our protagonist. So they're just shooting up his so car to kill him. they're there to kill Mickey. But they just end up killing the Russians on accident. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was uh, the only a one. A moment of convenience for Mickey. for Mickey is that the Russians have either killed Dave already or knocked Dave out and disappeared him and have taken the van and he sees this. He sees the toddlers in advance and knows something's about to go down. I, I, that's how I'm reading it. That's fine. I just didn't, I couldn't figure out how the kids knew where to, like, to attack that car. I thought they were helping Mickey out. Um, I did too on my first watch, and then on this watch I was like, no one, they had no idea about the Russians. They had no idea. So Mickey escapes because the toddlers take out the Russians, which allows them to go. Here it all is. Gonna take all my words back from earlier. Our unreliable narrator moment, because we find out this whole narration has actually been a pitch for a movie that Fletcher is pitching. To Miramax. To Miramax. The studio that actually made the movie The Gentleman. Um, and then at the end of the movie, they, uh, Mickey and his men, Raymond, find Fletcher. And, yeah. Dispatch of him accordingly. That's so great. Fletcher gets in the car, in the cab, tells the driver to go to Heathrow, and Raymond is the driver, and he goes, Buenos tardes, Fletcher Mundo, which is the way that Fletcher introduced himself to Ray in the beginning. It was great. Fucking great. Overall, it was a really good movie. Um, I didn't think you were going to like it. I have some complaints about it for sure, but overall, I think it was really good. I think it had a lot of really awesome... Cinem cinematic moments um, that I guy Richie don't miss man mentioned throughout. I really liked the style of it all. Um, yeah, I think it was just overall a really good movie. It was a good movie. Rated R. Don't let your kids watch it. In they case, say, they say a lot of swears. In case that wasn't clear by the amount of times we said we talked about sexual assault, like yeah, that and that was just like this much movie. Um, but. Yeah, no. Overall, pretty good. Our next one we are watching is The, the accountant. accountant, which was voted on by our live chat. So until then, don't do stupid shit. Don't do stupid shit.